Straw Hut Media. This year, the NFL is in its 101st season. And in all those years, there has never been an out gay or bisexual football player on the field. There have been players who've come out after retiring. There have been players who were drafted but never played a regular season game. And then there's Ryan Russell, an NFL free agent who came out as bisexual in August of last year. Today, we talked to Russ about how the NFL and professional sports are moving forward and how they're lagging behind. I'm Levi Chambers, and this is Pride. Russell. Uh, I go by Russ or RK Russell. I'm a writer, an NFL player, an activist, a poet, a little bit of everything. (laughs) Russ played for three years in the NFL as a defensive end, but a shoulder injury kept him off the field during his last season with the Buccaneers. Now, fully recovered, he's a free agent, meaning his contract has ended and he's free to sign with a new team. Being a free agent can be a key juncture in a player's career. It's an opportunity to negotiate a better deal, make more money, or find a new team. For Russ, football was always a major part of his life. He grew up in Dallas, Texas, where he says football is like a religion. So I am a Texas guy through and through, even though now I live in Los Angeles. His career and his self-exploration started when he received a full-ride scholarship to play football at Purdue University. There's where I was introduced or really awakened or grew into um, more questions about my sexuality. So now today, currently I'm an out bisexual male, but at that time being bisexual, I dated a lot of women and girls growing up had very intimate, real connections and relationships. Uh, So that was a little tricky because then when I really realized my sexual attraction to men and my attraction to to the same sex, um, it kind of brought up more questions than answers. I was like, okay, well then am I, obviously I'm not straight. I was like, am I gay? You know, what's going on? Um, Was I faking it before? Am I faking it now? Um, So that was kind of my journey. And then with football and the prospect of being an NFL player in the forefront, uh, those questions seem like they will go unanswered um, indefinitely. In 2014, during his last year in college, Russ saw NFL history unfold when Michael Sam became the first openly gay football player to ever be selected in the NFL draft. Um, you know, being the first of anything historically has been very tough. Um, and me being a closeted athlete at the time, I was really just scared for him. We've had players who retire and then come out afterwards, but he was out and he was going in. So it was a very significant time for me. Michael Sam's journey wasn't an easy one. Reading the news articles from just six years ago, there's a certain tone. Wow, this is a big deal. And then why is this such a big deal? It does require a little bit of basic football knowledge to understand the nuance of Michael Sam's story. First of all, he was a really good college player. 
He was the Associated Press's SEC Defensive Player of the Year, and was just a couple months away from becoming eligible for the draft when he came out publicly to the New York Times. When the time came, he ended up being drafted by the St. Louis Rams, but as kind of a last choice. He was the 249th overall pick, lower than any reigning SEC Defensive Player of the Year player had ever been selected, by more than 100 spots. Still, it was a huge deal. He was the first openly gay man to be drafted by the NFL. It felt like the dawn of a new era. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, named one of GQ's Men of the Year, and given an Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the ESPYs. He played through the preseason with the Rams, but then, a week before the regular season began, they cut him from the team. Three days after that, he was offered a contract with the Dallas Cowboys. He played on the practice squad for six weeks before they let him go. Everything kind of fell apart. Considering how things unfolded with Michael Sam, it's maybe not that surprising that Russ didn't immediately follow suit. When I started figuring it out or discovering that in college, it was very tight-lipped. I told my best friend at the time um, in college, he was also my roommate. He was also a teammate. Uh, I told him, and I remember kind of telling him, and it was real like non-committal and real vague. <laughs> um, but it was big, you know. That was like a huge moment for me, and he was very accepting, and loving, just as a friend would be. But I really didn't tell a lot of people outside of that. A lot of very close-knit people knew. Throughout his time in college, while Russ quietly explored his sexuality, he also quietly explored his creativity. Because for some reason, um, growing up in Texas, I thought writing and like being creative or artistic was like a giveaway that you were different or gay or bisexual or anything. Um, but it was a great creative outlet for me. It was a great way for me to kind of confront constructs and homophobia and racism and all these things that I've not only dealt with in my life, but I've internalized in some way. Um, just growing up the way that I did. And it was great introduction to myself. It was great, great therapy for me. And it's a huge part of me coming to love myself and coming to this moment of um, coming out and being open about who I am. It was August of last year when Russ wrote his essay for ESPN and came out publicly as bisexual. But he had come out to his mom back in 2015. My mom's my biggest friend and my biggest fan, and, and we're super close. Obviously, that hasn't that hasn't changed, not obviously, but that hasn't changed. Um, if anything, it's brought us even closer, and I didn't even think that was possible before. In general, Russ says, people in the sports world, in the LGBTQ plus community and beyond, have been supportive. The day I came out, every, literally every teammate that I've had from high school when I started playing to college to professionally reached out to me in some way, shape, or form, um, encouraged me, sent me love, told me, you know, nothing has changed in their eyes. We're still brothers. You know, they, they're, they're on my side. They love me. They accept me. And that was all literally the day I came out and, and it was such an overwhelming embrace. I've had a lot of love and appreciation, acceptance and celebration. And I say that knowing that that process isn't the same for everyone, that there's a hundred thousands um, of people and children and kids um, that come out every day and that lose a lot, that lose a lot of friends and lose a lot of family and lose careers and their safety. And I, I want everyone's coming out experience in some scale or some way to be like mine. I want it to be a celebration. I want it to be filled with support and love and acceptance and encouragement. 
Um, so that is what I'm currently trying to do just with telling my story and with using my platform to uplift the LGBTQ plus community, especially in um, for young black people as well, for young black men. But if history is any indication, going against the grain of the NFL is an easy way to end a career. Colin Kaepernick was essentially exiled from the NFL for kneeling during the national anthem in protests of systemic racism and violence in the police. For Russ, coming out publicly could end his career. So why do it? When I came out, it started with selfish intentions. I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't come out with the idea of being um, a huge activist or really being um, this really uh, sacrificial or um, martyr type thing. I really came out because I got to a point where I couldn't live this disjointed um life anymore. I couldn't really say that I love myself and love even what I do and love football um, without loving myself and accepting myself and being proud of myself. So it's, it started from that place as I hope coming out for everyone um, kind of starts. It starts with that self-realization and that self-love and really that, that um, internal being of, hey, this is who I am and I love this person and I celebrate this person. I want to uplift this person and and be proud of this person. That's where the real change happens is you see someone genuinely, openly, honestly living their truth and being happier, whether they're playing or not, because I am. I'm happier just as a person, whether I'm playing or not. Would I be a little happier playing uh, in the NFL? Yeah, of course. Um, but only as an out athlete. Um, I've played as a closet athlete and there were times where I should have been the happiest in my life and I was the saddest. Ultimately, Russ says his goal is to return to the NFL, and the NFL is key to making the kind of positive difference that Russ dreams about. This year, 2020, and specifically October, the NFL has been proactive in a way they never have been before. I think anytime you're able to connect a powerful um, and very influential and inspirational league like the NFL, like the National Football League with a message, um, whether it be social justice, whether it be um, combating homophobia, encouraging um, all queer folk. I think there's huge power and beauty in that. And I think coming together with the NFL will not just benefit their league, of course, like I said, destroying a lot of the stigmas of toxic masculinity, a lot of the stigmas of homophobia and, and even um, inherent racism and just honestly a a kind of classist thought um, towards the haves and the have-nots. I think there's so much beauty and power being said when you allow your players and your staff and people in your league to be their full selves and to be their honest selves. I mean, arguably, American football is one of the most masculine sports. So, so how do you feel like, you know, you being honest and open about being bisexual is going to affect other people within the NFL who are working there? Well, I hope that it encourages everyone to be just more open, just be more respectful, to be um, also conscious of the decisions that they make and the choices that they make and, and the the things that they don't say and the things that they don't do. Um, you know, not waiting until there's a slew of domestic violence um, cases with players to take a stand on, against domestic violence. You know, not waiting until there's a Colin Kaepernick um doing silent protests to be active in your pursuit for social justice. Just a couple weeks ago, Russ wrote a fantastic op-ed for Out Magazine. He titled it, Dear NFL, if you want to be LGBTQ plus allies, hire out players. 
It came just after Russ had participated in an official NFL PSA video pledging support to queer players. The NFL released the PSA after Executive Vice President Troy Vincent published his own op-ed in which he vowed to celebrate, support, and welcome players who choose to come out. He did this after the NFL changed the colors on its shield to a rainbow. For them to change it with the LGBTQ plus pride colors um, was huge. Like I said, all the work that they're doing now in their pride initiatives, um, whether it be in some small way connected to me coming out or not, has just been greatly um, just appreciative of me. And I think of a lot of players in, in shows, kind of the, the road that we're going down. But it has to be about more than symbolic gestures, which is why Russ calling out the league to essentially put their money where their mouth is, is so perfect. So we see the NFL trying to move forward and trying to be a little more, um, not just progressive, but a little more proactive, which I think is really important. You can't, with not any really out players, you can't just assume anymore. You know, that's that's not good enough. We know that there are are LGBTQ plus people out there. We know they're LGBTQ plus players. And, you know, that's no more excuse for saying, well, I didn't know. It's like, no, you should assume that these players are in your locker rooms, that they're in your meeting rooms, in your staff and in your building and in your organization. So take a proactive stance and let people know where you are. You know, to kind of add on to what you just said about the locker rooms, uh, former NFL offensive lineman, Ryan O'Callaghan, he came out, I believe in 2017. He said that as of August, 2019, Every NFL team had at least one closeted gay or bisexual player. Do you agree with him? Uh, just by the numbers of it, yeah, it would seem very likely. I mean, I was one of those players. So, I mean, it's easy for me to to assume that yes, and, and it should be easy for everyone to assume that that is the case. Um, I believe there are even players as there are people in any organization that aren't even maybe aware <laughs> of their queerness or of their sexuality or of their sexual fluidity men historically have kind of been um, publicly and culturally shamed in expressing and exploring and redefining defining their sexuality in anything that isn't straight and um masculine so uh, yeah, I, I would agree with Ryan O'Callaghan. I don't think either of us have the proof, but I'm pretty sure that um, just the probability would show that that is most likely very true. When we come back, what homophobia and toxic masculinity in the world of sports cost us and what we stand to gain by dismantling it. Welcome back. Today we're talking to Ryan Russell, NFL free agent, advocate, poet, and as of August 2019, openly bisexual man. Considering the progress we've made as a society with LGBTQ plus rights, it's actually kind of weird that there has still never been an NFL player playing a regular season football game as an out man. And at the very least, that has to be due to homophobic culture in sports. Well, sports, I mean, sports in general is a microcosm of our society, right? There is homophobia everywhere, sadly. Sports is no different. I've had people say homophobic slurs to me in football before coming out, you know, before knowing anything. It's it's a part of, like I said, this kind of toxic sports culture that we have created or that we've allowed kind of to um, evolve and manifest even on its own. 
All that homophobia and toxic masculinity, Russ says, is connected to misogyny. Don't throw like a girl or don't, you know, you do things like a girl. I mean, when we're really looking at toxic masculinity, these are the things that we're also talking about because as I hope that everyone on, at least on this podcast that's listening knows, there's nothing wrong with doing anything like a girl. I mean, there's, that's, that's completely so um, prehistorically dated and incorrect. But these are said oftentimes to young queer athletes and taken as an attack on who they are and on their sexuality. Calling someone gay, or really using a slur that's supposed to mean gay, is basically calling someone not a man. And in an arena where only men are allowed, like the NFL, that's basically like saying, you don't belong here. When you go into a football game, it's like going to war. That's, that's, I mean, for lack of a better term, that's what I think of in the enemy will do or say anything um, to win and to tear you down and to defeat you in a sense. I know it sounds super dramatic, but that's just what football feels like um, when you're out there in live action. And that comes with a mental game and that comes with a lot of these homophobic slurs. And most of the times, yes, from fans because the players are too busy actually playing the game. But Russ has said on a number of occasions that he hasn't felt that from his NFL teammates. Still, it's out there. And even though he's built up a thick skin, Russ says he would love to see that change for the talented, young LGBTQ plus athletes that don't pursue careers out of fear. Me as a grown man, I'm fine. You can say whatever you want to me. I really don't care. <laughs> it really has nothing to do with me. If you don't know me personally, I don't take what you say personally. Um, but like I said, for the future of sports, and for the young LGBTQ plus athletes that I hope and encourage um, to go into sports, especially football, I definitely hope that that changes. Do you feel like your revelation about being bisexual and playing in the NFL and also being you know, kind of a, I don't want to say it's like the definition of masculinity, but you definitely <laughs> resemble it at six foot five and 275 pounds. Do yeah. you... Do you feel like your revelation about being a bisexual man playing in the NFL has expanded the definition of masculinity for young fans and, and for young, you know, aspiring players? I hope so. I really do. I, I mean, my first definition of masculinity and really the definition, the working definition that I used all the way up until um, recently has not been about what I can be or who I can be, but about what I can't do or who I can't be. You know, don't cry, um, don't show emotion, don't show pain, don't show weakness. If you get hurt, get up, throw some dirt on it, don't throw like a girl, don't be a sissy, don't do this, don't do that. So my, my definition, my relationship, even with my own masculinity was very constraining, um, very oppressive, very restrictive. And I don't want anyone else to have that definition. Masculinity shouldn't be about, you know, the type of man you can't be. If anything, masculinity should be about broadening what we believe men to be and opening up the acceptance for what we believe men to be. And I hope that through telling my story, I can allow someone younger to kind of go through that journey with a little less bumps and a little less trials and tribulations and obstacles and just have an option to have that visibility to see like, hey, there's a guy yeah, playing in one of the most masculine professional sports and he's not afraid to show emotion or show vulnerability or um, be artistic or be creative. And 
that that I mean, that's my goal. That's just kind of been my personal journey. And I hope that with sharing that and with continuing down that road, that it broadens that definition for other people. But I, masculinity should be about the possibilities instead of about the restraints. Russ says coming out and putting himself in the spotlight was, at first, for his own well-being and happiness. But then, it became about something else. Of course, he loves football. He wants to play in the NFL. He trains every day to stay in shape and be ready. But he says he's gotten to a place where he no longer needs the NFL's acceptance. For young queer athletes, on the other hand, they deserve to see players like them. And they do want that acceptance and that, that value and that visibility and that space to be created. So I think it's huge. I think it's hugely beneficial um, for the NFL. Obviously, it's beneficial for me because it's what I love to do. But I think the the greater focus is the good that having LGBTQ plus players in the NFL would do for the collective, for all of us, for humanity and for a lot of youth out there. Throughout this last year, the most important thing to Russ are those young LGBTQ plus athletes that have reached out to him. I think that's that's really encouraging because whether or not we have a thousand um, NFL players come out, whether or not no one comes out ever again, I my goal and where I think the real change and real focus is, is having a lot LGBTQ plus youth, LGBTQ plus young athletes going into the sport. I think we lose so many young, very talented um, queer athletes due to the toxic masculinity, due to the misogyny that's in sports, especially in football, due to the homophobia, whether it be things like homophobic slurs or whether it be hazing or violence or or essentially hate crimes towards young um, queer kids pursuing sports. I think that is where the huge change comes from. Since he came out last year, Russ has become an outspoken advocate for LGBTQ plus issues. And if he were signed today with an NFL team, he would be the only athlete in the four American major professional sports leagues to openly identify as LGBTQ+. And we're all rooting for him to get drafted. Because if Russ can do it, young queer football players anywhere can too. That's the beauty of sharing stories. It, it wasn't until, you know, someone showed me the way that, hey, you can be a young black boy from a single parent home and still go to college, you know, still go to a great college. You can play football and have a success. You can be right. You can do all these things. You can be black and queer. You can be black and queer and, and now a football player. And, and that's the beauty of visibility of creating space. When I was in the closet right before I came out, it felt like drowning. And without even knowing it, when I came out, when I came up for that breath of fresh air, I was also throwing back life jackets to other young LGBTQ plus athletes, especially um, and black male queer athletes to just breathe and to allow them to, to just be. Russ says he doesn't necessarily expect his coming out to inspire current athletes that are in the closet to come out. Instead, he looks to the future. Once LGBTQ plus athletes are led into or we see them in sports um, out proud and open, it's going to raise the bar. Russ says at the end of the day, athletics is a numbers game. There's so much talent, especially in the LGBTQ plus um, youth community. One, because also at a very young age, you're faced with societal adversity. 
um, which hardens your determination, which hardens your mental state, which hardens all these things, your heart. Um, and I think all, a lot of things that will give those athletes also a competitive edge, things that I went through that gave me a competitive edge. I'm excited to see how, when, who, what, where, why. And yeah, I truly believe that there are some very talented LGBTQ plus youth that we've lost along the way because of homophobia. And I don't want that to be the case any longer. Since coming out last year, Russ started a YouTube channel with his boyfriend, Corey. We both live here together in LA. Um, the YouTube's Corey and Russ. It's really just fun, light. We just talk about our journeys. We just started doing some little challenges. So that's fun. You know, that's like a place where you can engage with people on just the lighthearted basis of, hey, we're two humans in love and we want to bring you all along this journey. We love you guys. Thank you so much for watching this video. Let's make this a place that feels positive and safe and hopeful. Russ trains every day starting at 6 a.m. for four hours. You know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. He's been writing a memoir. It's been such a journey just writing. You think talking about your life story is tough? Try sitting down with yourself and just writing about it and really diving in. Um, but I'm hoping to finish that proposal. And he's been writing poetry. He published a book of poetry called Prison or Passion. I've just started a adapting some of those poems into short films. Uh, we just did one um, with the title of the book Prisoner Passion as a short film, and it turned out so amazing, so well. So we're going to keep doing that and keep progressing um, on that, that route. Russ has also been writing for an online publication called The Queer Majority. Really just do personal essays about my life and little pieces um, of my story on a different scale or with a different view. All right. Um, it's specifically called, called The In-Between, where it talks a lot about intersectionality. And he's been reading. Reading a lot. Reading um, The Water Dancer by Tanashi Coates. Um, amazing book. If anyone has book recommendations, send them to me. Also, as a closeted athlete, I wasn't able to read queer books, so I just bought a bunch. I got a bunch of suggestions on Twitter. Um, I'm sure I'm missing something, so if anyone needs to know, they can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at RK Relentless. They're both the same name. And just stay up to date. Not to put you on the spot, so don't worry if you're not prepared, <laughs> but do you have a poem that you would be willing or would like to share with our listeners? <laughs> I was about, it's funny because when you were asking me, I was about to say I'm always prepared, but this is literally the one question. Do not even I'm worry. Like, uh, okay, yeah, I can find something. Let's do it. Okay. My boyfriend, Corey, and I, we have a segment or a series on our YouTube called Poetry in Motion. He's a professional dancer, so he does, he choreographs and dances um, to poems that I write. So this is the one that we're going to film coming up. So this is kind of, I guess, like a little sneak peek. Uh, it is also untitled, but here we go. Let's just dive in. Close your eyes, please. Feel the water swallow you with ease. Back against the waves, you feel the breeze break the cycle, not my heart. But are we doomed from the start? Our love story is fragile art. If love was an ocean, would I drown? Would you keep my head held down or would you be the lifeguard, my lifeguard? Tell me your love is a peak and forever is all you seek. I'll climb towards you like God. I pray we can beat the odds. My soul, my soul is tired. My feet are heavy, should I retire? 
My bones ache, my joints on fire, but I can take the hurt. You serve pain like dessert, my cries are your concert. If love was an ocean, would I drown? Would you keep my head held down? Or are you the lifeguard, my lifeguard? Tell me your love is a peak and forever is all you seek. I'll climb towards you like God and I pray we can beat the odds. In the desert, you take my hand. We slip through the years like sand. This love is better than planned. Broke the cycle, not my dream. Fueled my passion and self-esteem. Never had something so supreme. If love was an ocean, would I drown? Would you keep my head held down? Or are you my life, my whole life? Tell me my love is a peak and forever is all you seek. You'll climb towards me like God. Together, we can beat the odds. Boom. I love that. I was going to clap, but then I'm like, I don't know what it's going to sound like through the mic, but I love it. So thank you so, so much for sharing that. Well, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to. Thanks for listening. Pride is a production of Straw Hut Media. If you like the show, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're tuning in from. Share us with your friends, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Pride, and on Facebook, at Pride Podcast. You can follow me, at Levi Chambers. Pride is produced by me, Levi Chambers, Maggie Bowles, and Ryan Tillotson. Edited by Sebastian Alcala. I'm amazed that you do four hours of exercise. Like I do a half hour. I run around the block for three miles and I'm like, man, I am so accomplished. <laughs>